0: Thing on? Can you guys hear me? Okay, I can't hear myself, so sorry. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, they did an awesome job, right? Doing worship, it's awesome. All right, so um, we are going to be this morning in Second uh, Timothy chapter four. In case you guys don't know uh, who that lovely lady that was up here doing announcements—that was my wife. So she's uh, she's pretty awesome and amazing. So, but um. Yeah, yeah, um, real quick in regards to the the announcements, um, I'm really excited about this, uh, the United Guys study that we had. We started last year, um, we started towards the end of the year, so it was kind of just, you know, something we just wanted to get with the guys, you know, the girls had all their stuff, and it's like, what about the guys, you know, so we wanted to try to get something, but you know, this year my desire was to get it obviously more um, more structured, and um, the Lord was just putting some things on my heart, and, and you know, I, I grew up, uh, well, I, I still have my my dad and it was just he's you know he's uh an awesome just uh which is an awesome dad he's a an amazing grandfather as well but yeah, i remember uh, just growing up like you know he he kind of when i was old enough when i was probably like got into like 10 11 years old you know I, he started and he said, okay you know, i'm gonna teach you you're gonna mow the lawn now i'm like what you serious you know and then you know then after that you know he'd take me in the garage to hey you know it's the weekend it's saturday you just want to hang out do whatever you want to do He's like, no, come out here. I'm going to teach you how to fix the brakes of the car. I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, you, you, when you're young, you're just like, I don't want to do that. That's dumb. That's, you know, whatever. But, you know, after all these years, like, I appreciate all those things that he, you know, he taught me, that he instilled in me because, you know, I can do those things now. And and uh, one of the, the desires that I had is, you know, there, there's, there are some of the the kids, the uh, young guys in the congregation who who may not have that, right? Some of the guy leaders in the youth, you know, they didn't grow up with a father, so they didn't really learn all these things. And and my whole vision, my idea is to kind of, obviously, we're going to have our, our, our time where we pour into these kids and build them up in the Lord, but we wanted to start doing some practical things in regards to like, hey, you know, after we have our little study, our little fellowship and eating, because we're always going to eat, that's what, that's what we do, right? But after we do that, we're going to have like, we're going to say, hey, do you guys know how to check the oil to your car? Well, let's show you. You guys know how to change a tire? We'll show you. And we want to try to do all these kind of just cool little practical things, so um, it's going to be this uh, this coming Saturday the fifth. It's going to be at Tyson Threadgill's house. Um, my number will be on the flyer. If you guys you guys give me a call, it's going to be at 3:30. Um, and those are the things we're going to start. We I want to start doing. That's that's kind of the vision. So it's it's exciting. I got a couple guys from the the ministry to kind of like you know kind of be there and to like you know older men to instill their wisdom to these young guys, even me, because I still need wisdom all the time. So. Anyway, so I'm excited about that, and obviously, um, junior high camp is a, a month from now, basically. Um, I really encourage you you guys, if you have junior hires, to, to really pray about having them come out. It's always an awesome time. It's a time for them to get away, to, to kind of be out of their comfort zones, and to just to focus on God, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have fun, but we're there to, to have time with, with the Lord and to really just um, be at His feet and, and, um, and just grow closer to Him. And, you know, junior high camp can be an awesome time. A lot of our junior hires this year, they're they're, sh- they're just coming in from elementary school, so, you know, they're going to start dealing with, like, who am I, you know, identity and all this stuff as, as the culture, and as they go in school, they're going to deal with all that. People are saying, Oh, will be this type of kid, hang out with this group, and they're going to be pushed and pressured, and, like, who am I, what's my identity, and and we want to show them that their identity is found in Jesus Christ and not in what the world says and not what culture says, and so I really encourage you guys to... um just sign up, sign them up, and it's just good for you guys as well, Your parents, get your kids away for the weekend, to go hang out, go to the movies, go on a date, whatever. So <clears throat> anyway, we're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter 4, chapter, second, not second, second uh, Timothy, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just kidding, I was making sure you guys are awake right now, so. Second <laughs> Timothy chapter 4, yes, starting at verse 1, we're going to read through verse 5. Give you guys a second to get there. I hear some pages rustling. So, all right, all right. Second Timothy four, starting at verse one, it says, "I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine." But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance for their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, and do the work of, of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning, God, and we are um, Lord, we're so thankful, God, that you, um, you've called us, Lord, out of darkness into light, God. Lord, you've called us, Lord, to a purpose, Lord, and to... Um, or to further your kingdom, to go out, Lord, and to preach the word, preach the gospel, or the good news of Jesus Christ and and salvation that's only found in Him, God. And um, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we, um, Lord, the times are getting dark, Lord. They're only going to get darker. Your word says that, God. And I pray that we would have, Lord, this sense of urgency that we need to go out with the gospel, even more so, Lord. Lord, with the with the pressure of culture, with the pressure of um, everything is is anti God and, and anti. Jesus, Lord, and, and um there's there's that, that fight that's going on, Lord, and, and the way we wage war is, is not through through physical means, Lord, through um through slurring through throwing out just all these offensive words, Lord, but but preaching your gospel, or preaching your word because your word is powerful, Lord. It's it's living, it's active, God, and I pray that we would, Lord, have that sense, Lord, and have that um Lord that uh Lord just that Lord, that readiness, Lord, to go out with your word, God. So we just come before you, God, and I pray that you would just be in the midst of us now in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, all throughout high school, I, I played football. I love football. Um, it's one of my favorite sports. But when I, from, the, from when I first started my freshman year to senior, every, every year, every senior class, uh, every senior, um, you know, the, the senior team, the varsity team, they always instill this in themselves and in the, in the rest, even all the way down to the freshmen, is have a sense of urgency. Because especially for the seniors, like, they only had that season to play, and that was it. Most of them, you know, they weren't going to go on to the next level and play in college or, or go out. You know, the high school football is as good as it got for them. And, you know, if any of you, you know, men played high school football, like, you know, what I'm talking about, it's, it's an awesome time. It's, um, but that was always the, the, the thing they instilled in us. And I remember when I, when I was a senior playing football, that was, the, that was the idea, have a sense of urgency. Like, play every game as, it, as if it was your last, leave it all on the field. Hold nothing back because this is it like you're not going to the next level this is this is as good as it's going to get and um you want to kind of leave it all out there have no regrets and uh, you know play to the last whistle all these things but I was always saying have a sense of urgency to know like hey your, your time's coming up so just play hard and and keep going and I remember like uh, our last game you know we're in the I think like the first round of the playoffs and, and we played against a team we're coming up against a team that that we played for before the, the season started and, like in a scrimmage you know you have pre pre uh, preseason scrimmages, and, like, you know, at that time, like, like, we, we destroyed them, basically, so we kind of came into that game with this idea, say, oh, we got this, and, you know, and we didn't have it, we lost, you know, and, and it was just, it was, um and at the time, you know, like, you know, you're, you're high school and senior, that, that's what I did, and like, before I came to the Lord, like, I, I love football, that's what I love doing, that was one of the things I enjoyed, and so that was, like, you know, football at the time was, was, like, life, basically, so when that was over, it was, it was devastating, like, at the time, it was, like, the most devastating thing in my life, like, what am I going to do now? There's no more football, you know. Um, but I was I was thinking about that when I was um, just kind of preparing for what what the Lord was what I was just asking the Lord like, well, what do you want me to to teach on? What do you want me to say? Um, that idea came to my mind that that sense of urgency. We come here to Second uh, Timothy, right? This is Paul's basically like farewell address. Like after this, he would he would soon be uh, be, be executed for his faith by by uh, the Roman government. And he leaves these last words, his kind of like farewell address to Timothy, giving him last instruction. Timothy was, uh, if you guys know anything about him, he was a a young pastor. He was basically one of Paul's like closest companions. He he called him his true son in the faith. He had this bond with Timothy. They had like this like-mindedness, like-heartedness. So he kind of gives him his farewell address, basically kind of like a, a father would give his son, you know, like, like, hey, this is it, but I want you to continue on. Don't you know, don't get discouraged. You have you you need to continue on. You need to continue with the furtherance of the gospel, the furtherance of of, uh, of Christianity, and well, he's basically hand, handing him over like the mantle and saying, "You're it's it's you're going to keep going now. You know, don't stop." And um, I'm sure this this if you read Second Timothy at all, you throughout the whole book, you you have the sense of that of that urgency that even at the end of chapter four, um, in verse nine, it says he says, "Make every effort to come to me soon." right? He says those words because, you know, his time was coming soon. He was going to die. He knew his, his days were up, and he wanted to give Timothy this last encouragement, this last kind of push and say, hey, this is it. Keep going for the faith, even though I'm going to be gone, but, you know, the, you know, the gospel needs to be furthered. You know, there's still work to be done. So we pick it up now in Second um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead right paul uh he uses this word first of all if he comes out timothy with this word he says i saw me charges like in the greek it's a really strong word it basically means like i testify like god is my witness that you need to do this right and that's kind of like a big deal right he's basically saying god is god is in the midst and like he hears what i'm telling you right now so you have like no excuse to not fulfill your ministry and keep going right you need to do what you're supposed to do right you ever guys ever like kind of feel that pressure when someone like when you ask, or if somebody asks you to do something, especially at the church and like all these people around you, it's like, how are you going to say no? Right? Because everyone's there. I was like, oh, no, I don't care. Or we like try to like play it off. It's like, oh, well, let me pray about it. Right? But sometimes like when all these people are around and you're like, hey, can you do this, this, so and so? And you're kind of like, everyone's around. It's like, I got to say yes or I'm not going to like you know, be holy anymore or something, you know? <laughs> you know, but it, I kind of had that sense like, like God, I mean, Paul's trying to like tell Timothy, hey, you have this. This is, what's, this is what you need to do. I'm charging, I'm testifying, I'm witnessing. That uh, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And I, I like how, how Paul says this. I'm so like glad that he says this because even after 30 years of, of ministering, of being a Christian and going out and preaching the gospel, he still believed with full assurance that Jesus Christ was coming back. All right? And, um, <clears throat> you know, people sometimes. They'll mock us and say, Oh, where's where's Jesus at? Where's he coming? Where's where's his coming? You know, like everyone talks about, like, Oh, you you've been saying that since for two thousand years that Jesus is coming back. Like, where is he? Yeah. You know? But Paul still believed this. He still believed that Jesus is coming back and he's gonna judge the living and the dead. You know, see for us as Christians, um, when Paul his kind of Paul's first mention of Christ's second coming is Thessalonians, that's kind of one of the first letters we have from Paul and the in the whole uh all, all First Thessalonians is about that. It's about Jesus Christ's coming, that he saved us from the wrath to come. God is coming back, right? He's, he's coming back to, to, to basically judge the world. And let's um, face it, people don't like hearing about that. They don't like hearing about God being a righteous God who's going to judge sinners. And we don't like hearing about those things. Those are the type of things that don't fill up the the seats, right? But that's what he says here. He's saying he's going to judge living in the dead. But see, as for us as Christians, we have this... Uh, you know, we have this hope because we're not we, we're not we don't have to deal with that. We don't have to have that fear of God's wrath, of God's judgment because of what Jesus Christ did. Right? Because of because of Jesus Christ on the on the cross, he bore that. He he took the wrath upon God. Remember when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Right? At that time, he took upon the, the sins of the whole world, and God had to, he put his wrath upon upon his own son, Jesus Christ, and he bore that for you and for me. So we don't have to. We don't have to worry about that. The Bible says there is no fear in love, right? Perfect love casts out all fear because fear, it has to do with, with, with judgment, with, with penalty, but we don't, we're not in that anymore because if we're Christians today, if we, we trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, then you know, we don't have to worry about God's wrath, but the thing we do have to remember is as Christians, we are going to give an account for our life. What did you do with Jesus Christ? You gave your life to him. He saved you, so what did you do? the ministries you did as you fulfill them, Did you do everything that God told you to do. See, um, we have this verse in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. I'm going to read it to you guys, and it's, uh, it's really good. It says, <clears throat> it says, for no one can lay any foundation other than that which was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work Each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's works have any value. If if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. See that that that's for us. There's going to be a time where there's going to be this thing called like the City of Christ. We're all going to kind of be rewarded for the things that we did for Jesus Christ, right? That that's a that's a doctrine that's taught in the Bible that we are going to have to give an account, I'm going to have to give an account for what I did with my wife, the, the, the wife of the Lord, with my children, with, with the ministry that he's entrusted me with, and all this, but we're all going to have to do that one day, and Paul is reminding Timothy, one day you're going to stand before God, don't, don't, uh, don't stand in front of him, like, Lord, I should have done more, right, that's the sense of urgency that he's trying to instill in Timothy, right, he's saying he's, by his appearing and by his kingdom, Jesus Christ is coming back, right, amen, are you guys excited? I'm excited, right? I always talk to the youth about like you know, it, um, as we continue through Revelations with Pastor Zeke, you know, he's going to get to a point where when it when it talks about Jesus' second coming, I think it's in Revelation 17. He's going to come on a white horse, and he's just going to look awesome and amazing, right? And it says behind him there's going to be all these other this basic kind of army of of people on white horses and white robes. That's that's us as Christians. I hope I get a sword. That's all I'm saying, right? <laughs> but 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 there's this awesome picture that we're going to be. You know we're we're going to be behind the conquering Christ, and He is coming back. And and for us, that should excite us, right? That should that should make us excited that that Jesus is coming back, and He is um, He keeps His promises. He's not a you know he, He's always about His word. <clears throat> so we go on in verse two, and He tells them to preach the word. Right? He says, "Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction." The word here to preach it basically means to herald. It, the idea is of a ruler sending out a messenger w- with a message to to his people, right? He's he's basically saying we're he's basically saying we're we're messengers. We have a proclamation, and it needs to be heard. It needs to be heeded, and that's what he's supposed to do as um as a pastor. You know, he was this he was this young pastor when he went. He was at the Church of Ephesus, and at this time, Ephesus was dealing with a bunch of uh, false teachers They were teaching just they weren't teaching the word, they were teaching false doctrines and heresy, and one of the things in First Timothy that Paul tells um, tells him to do is you have to battle against these guys, you have to set them straight, and as a young pastor, he's probably like, oh man, you know, that's, that." no one likes, you know, a lot of people don't like, they don't like conflict, they don't like having to, to deal with awkward situations, but he had to deal with that, and, and in preaching the word, that's what he was going to have to do. He was going to have to go out with a gospel message, and some people weren't going to want to hear those things, All right, but he says here, we need to we need to preach the word, right? He needs to go out, and, and as, a, as a messenger, you know, he had to correctly know, he had to speak clearly, he had to correctly give out the message because he was representing his ruler, right, this messenger, and he had to go out, and he had to know at the same time as he was speaking this message, he was going with the authority of this ruler, right? And in the same way, as a, as a pastor, he would go out, and um, and when he taught the word of God, he would have to Teach you in such a way that with with full conviction, with full confidence. This is God's word. It's not it's not my own word. It's not any other pastor, but it's God's word. And it and it has value. It has power to it. So he says here to preach the word, right? But before we can preach the word, right, we need to we need to know what the word says, right? Um, it says in 2 Timothy two fifteen. Check this out. It says, "Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed." And who correctly explains the word of truth? Um, Usually, when I when I quote like other scriptures, like you know, um, correlating scriptures, I usually like using the New Living Translation because I think it kind of brings it out a little more. But I love that verse. You guys might—that's a very familiar verse. You know, it says, uh, "It says, you know, show yourself approved to God." Right? Before we can preach the word, we need to know what it says. Right? We need to we need to be diligent in um, in knowing the word. We need to have a devotional life, a strong one. Right. Uh, that's it. we need to be devoted to God's word, so with that being said, we need to have this life of devotion. we need to make the word of God a priority in our lives, and, and um, you know, I, I try to, that's what we're trying to instill in our kids every every night, you know, before <coughs> they go to bed, you know, they brush their teeth, they do what they got to do, but we have, we, we're, we're reading through the Gospel of John, which is going awesome, we make sure we have them do a memory verse, and, and um. but I want them to understand that the, the word of God is a priority in our lives, and, and be and for them to know that then they need to see it you know not just me telling them right but they need to see me reading the word of god right because that's what that's what children do they they don't just listen to you because but they they see what you do right and they're going to mimic those things and for me and uh and sarah we need to i know for myself i need to be in the word of god and it needs to be a priority in my own life before i can tell my children it needs to be a priority in theirs right that makes sense right but um but that's what, but that's what it says here. We need to dig into the Word of God. Before we do that, we need to we need to come in God to, to, with prayers. Lord, Lord speaks to me to you through Your Word, Lord. I want to know You more. I want to um, but I want to live a life pleasing to You. And that's what we have. That's what we have. Our Bibles, right? It's based on our instruction manual on how to be how to live this Christian life. It it's going to tell us everything that we need in uh, in regards to you know life and godliness. We need those things. <clears throat> you know the Word of God. It's uh, it's for sinners and saints. I was reading this commentary, and I like what he said. You know, sometimes we think that, uh, you know, after after amount of time being a Christian and growing in the Lord and doing ministry and all this thing, we like we, we can tend to be like, "Oh, I don't need to read the Word as much. I'm good," right? No, that's that's not how that works, right? And, and the more you walk with the Lord, the the more you you're, you you um, you grow in your relations. The more you're going to need the Word of God, right? You're going to be like, "Okay, I can't do this. I need God. I need His Word. I need to be every day just." Um, just cleanse and 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 to be renewed by the word of god right but we we need the word of god each and every day and he says here to be ready in season and out of season right the word of god isn't just for like fall and winter when it's not as hot so we don't have to go out right it, it, it's crazy hot right now right yesterday we had a i coach uh the our, our boys soccer team and um we had a game like at noon it was crazy i'm running out with all these little five-year-olds and i'm like you know i'm like dying it's it's crazy, but when he says here, <clears throat> when he says, be ready in season and out of season, he basically means, preach the word when it's favorable and when it's not, right? Right, as a pastor, see that that's what happens sometimes um, when you're preaching to someone, we, sometimes we, like, it's exciting, it's awesome when you're talking to someone about the word and they're, and they're taking it in, they're, like, really listening to what you're saying, they're like, okay, th- yeah, this, this sounds, I, I love what you're saying right now, and it's like, yes, you know, you get excited, you get pumped up, but then sometimes you're going to talk to people and they're going to be like I don't believe that that's dumb right and they're going to they're they're totally not going to want to hear anything you have to say right at the same even in those times we need to continue to preach the word even when it seems like no one's paying attention or or whatever the case may be if if you know sometimes it seems like people are like nodding off or not paying attention even more so we need to preach the word you know we're we're a uh, you know and and that goes for anyone you know some people say first and second Timothy that's that's a pastoral epistle so it's just for pastors i don't really have to pay attention. To that. No, this, this is the Word of God. It's for all of us. It's for, it's for all of us. We're all, we're all not called to be pastors, but we're all called to, to know the Word of God and to preach it and go out with the Word of God and to, to live it out in our lives. Right, but, um, but when he says to be ready in season and out of season, we need, to, we need to be ready. Right right now, the world doesn't want to hear about Jesus Christ. They're doing everything they can to, to, um, to do away with that. Everything is anti-Christianity, anti-Bible. Right, but even more so. This is how this is how we, we battle our Christian our our uh, you know spiritual warfare. That's what the Bible that's what the Bible says. And in Ephesians, Paul talks about that that it's spiritual warfare that we we battle not against flesh and blood, right, but against rulers and powers and principalities. We need to understand that there is a spiritual warfare, and we can't fight a spiritual warfare with physical weapons, right? We need spiritual weapons. That's what we have. The Word of God. That's why we need to know it well. Right, and the preaching of the word of God, and it needs to be backed up by your life. Right, that that, that phrase comes to mind: "Practice what you preach." Right, because because people that come in, especially when you when when um when you go out with your with your faith in your workplace or in school for you uh, for you youth and he's saying, everyone knows. Hey, I'm a Christian. Then they're going to start looking at you. Every little thing they're going to start examining. So oh, you did you did this. I thought Christians don't do that. Right? They're going to start saying those things. And we're not perfect. I, and I don't think I I never said I was perfect, but at the same time we need to be above reproach. We need to practice what we preach. Because sometimes, you know, we we don't do that. You know, people say, Oh, the reason I don't come to church is because all the all the hypocrites and, and that's that's partly true. That's not fully true, but but sometimes because some people say they're Christians but their life doesn't doesn't reflect that, right? Their life doesn't add up and it, it doesn't show the proof of that. But like I said again, it starts with a a, a devotion to the Word of God. Right? We're um we need to go out, and, and when we do that, when we begin to to study the word and to really devote ourselves to that, right? In uh, in Romans twelve two, it says that do not be uh, conformed to this world; but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? That's what the word of God does: is it renews your mind, and it's gonna it's gonna affect every part of your life. It's gonna begin to affect your speech, right? The way you talk. Right? It's crazy how I've um, when you when maybe you knew someone who who before they came to the Lord they had just a you know, horrible language, horrible vocabulary, right? But when they came to the Lord, they, all that changed. Or maybe they talked a certain way. Maybe they just had, you know, um, or whatever the case may be. And, and it affects your speech. It affects your conduct. It affects the way you dress. It affects all these things in your life when you give your when you give your life. It's going to affect your attitude when you go to work, when you go to school, when you deal with people. Or it's going to affect all those things, you know, for the glory of God, right? It's not going to be. It's not going to be just um, you know oh we're good people, but it's going to be hey there's something different about it. Why don't you you know engage in these type of conversations with these you know with these coworkers or with these students? Why don't you laugh at these jokes, right? That's because you know we the the God has worked in our lives and the Word of God is continuing to change us and to transform us into the, the image of Christ. And it also means as well you know it means it means making church a priority, right? Making making coming together as a body a priority, making it a priority for you know our the, our kids to come to church, to come to youth group, to come to to come to um, events. Right when we uh, because we come up here and every day we have Pastors Zeke faithfully preaching the Word of God, and we need that. I need to be fed, right? And we need to come in and and, and make that a priority in our lives to um, to come into church and and uh, to be fed by the Word of God, but to encourage one another. That's what the church is for, right? We're a body of believers, and we all need each other, right? Some people they they ask me at work, like, "Oh, you know, is it?" Is it wrong, you know? Is it wrong that I don't want to come to church? And I said, like, Why don't you want to come to church? What, what's the reason behind it? Like, because the church is supposed to be a place where, as believers, we can come and we can build each other up. You know, we can come lovingly and be like, Hey, you know, you're, what you're doing right now, you're, you're, that's not the right way to go. You know, like you're compromising. But we do it in a loving way, right? And we're supposed to come and build. Each, this is supposed to be a place where we can, you know, we can come to each other to bear one another's burdens, right? But I know I hear some people say the reason they don't want to come to church. You know, guys I, I talk to at work is because, oh, you know, I don't want to... They're always about rules, 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 and, and don't do this and don't do that. And I was like, well, maybe, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just conviction. Yeah, I'm just saying, I don't know, you know, whatever the case may be. But um, but I tell him it's like, no, it's, it's supposed to be a place where we can come and build each other up in Christ, where we can be taught the Word of God, and we can, uh, we can serve and have that, that outlet to of everything that the Lord's done in my, in my life to, to serve others. But also at the same time that we can again build each other up in the Lord. And we need each other as Christians. You know, there's no such thing as a you know lone wolf Christians, right? That's 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 not that's not biblical. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, Oh, you need it says, do not forsake the assembling of of ourselves, which is, you know, some people do. Now, usually when they want to do those things because they don't want to be called out on the things they're doing wrong, right? But um, but we need to make church a priority, right? We need to know, like, hey, you know, Sundays we're going to church, like there's no question about it, right? There's no like, Hey, are we going to church Sunday? I don't know. It's like, no, like you know, like, oh, this is what we do Sundays, right? This is what we go to church. And I don't know. Maybe you think, Oh, he's getting religious, you have to come to church on Sundays and you know, I, I I do church every day at my house. That's cool, but we still need to assemble together as believers and again to build each other up and and um but we need to have that priority in our lives that that um that the word of God and, and and the fellowship of of the saints that needs to be something that's a priority in our lives. And he goes on. He says here um, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. Right to re- to reprove means to convict. It means uh, it's with the suggestion of shame of a person convicted by conviction to bring light to expose. Right? Or it happens when when you have a, a totally pitch dark room and you turn a light. Right? You can start. You can see everything. Right? everything is exposed, and uh, that's what the Word of God does, right? We live in an age right now where, like, everyone's offended about something, right? I mean, let's face it, the Word of, the Word of God is offensive. Jesus Christ is offensive. Jesus said in the Gospels, yeah, I didn't come to, you know, to bring peace, but I, I came to bring the sword, right? Sometimes we hear those verses, and we're like, Whoa, what are you talking about? You know, he said, after this, your father is going to be against son, a daughter against, um, against mother, and, and, uh, You know, brother against brother, sister against brother, all these things, because that's what the Word of God does. You know, when we become a Christian, I remember when I came to the Lord, like I grew up in a family who, who, you know, they they partied all the time, you know. They, you know, they they got drunk and did all this stuff. Like any excuse they they could get to get together, even if it was like a little kid's birthday party, it was just an excuse so they can have a, a crazy party, right, with a jumper, you know, and all those things. But that's that's what they did. But when I when I when I became when I became um when I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't I didn't want to do those things anymore. Like, it wasn't it, it, I had that conviction. I was like no, I don't want to do that. I'm good. And they kind of be like, well, you know. And even now, sometimes when they see me, they're like, oh, I'm just having I'm just having one drink. Don't you know? Don't judge me. I'm like whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not here to judge you. But but you know, they begin to be like, oh, you don't want to hang out. You don't want to you're not you know, you know that like, let's let's do this and let's do that. I was like no, I don't want to do that. Um, that's that's not what I want to do. Is like we can go and. You know, they're like, oh, let's go out and have a, a drink. You know, he used to tell me. He's like, no, can go out and have a soda. I don't know, I'm good with that. Right. But they they, and they get it kind of upset. and They're like, oh, whatever. You're not, you know, you're not down anymore. You're not cool anymore, whatever the case may be. Right. But those type of things are going to happen. But when we come, you know, to, uh, Paul tells Timothy to, to to reprove these people to to bring that conviction. That's what the word of God is going to do. right? It's going to bring that conviction in people's lives. It's basically, what he's saying is, is, is call sin, sin. Right. Sometimes like, that's not popular in the church anymore. and That's that's what the Bible says, you know, there's, you know, um, the Bible says, well, fellowship has light with darkness, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, right, and we need to know that we serve a holy God, and, and, uh, and it, it's okay, like the Bible says, you know, we need to, we need to call out those things, as, as, um, as a pastor, he was called to call out to call out sin, to not allow sin to, to have a, any type of foothold within the church, right, that's, that's you know, because we know, like in the Bible, it says, the wages of sin is death, right? And that, that's reality. That's the truth. And if we allow those things in the church, and if if no one's there to be like, hey, no, this is wrong. The Bible says this is this is what we're supposed to do. Right? We need to go out and, and, and you know we need to be prepared that those things we're gonna we're gonna face opposition. But he says here to reprove, and then he says to rebuke. Right? It's a warning again against sin, because sin is destructive. Right? If we allow sin into our lives, sin has a habit. Sin. Sin is really good at destroying what you built. The things that you desire to build up in your lives, your your marriage, your family, your career, whatever. It's going to wreak havoc on on all those things if we allow sin in our life. if We allow it just to run rampant and and, and not um and not you know put those things to death, right? And like again, it, the the Bible's clear that the wages of sin is death, and it, that's what it does. It destroys. And I've seen it in the lives of, of family members. I've seen it in the lives of of other. You know Christians who've compromised, who allowed sin to get in their lives. No, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal, right? What I'm doing, but they keep going, and, and that that's that's what sin does, right? Sin it it doesn't just like you know, if you give it a that, that old saying, if you give it an inch, it takes a mile, right? That's what sin does. It's gonna it's gonna continue. It, it wants more and more. It's not gonna be satisfied, and that's what that's what sin does. And before you know it, you're gonna have this destroyed life. You know, you're gonna wonder like, man, how did I get here? What happened? You know, sin it it blinds and it destroys, and it's um. And we need to understand that. We need to understand, that, you know, there's this um we need to know that's what sin does because, you know, if sin we, we paint this this uh, black picture of sin, but I mean sin is it's appealing to us, right? If 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 sin wasn't appealing, then none of us would ever do it and there would be no need for Jesus to ever come and save us and any of that, right? But sin is appealing, right? It appeals to our flesh, it appeals to our desires and, and um you know there's that temptation that's always there. But we need to understand that as we read the Word of God, we understand that hey, the sin is a serious issue. It's not only going to destroy you in this life; it's going to destroy you in the next life if you don't repent of those things, All right? But then he says, and I love this kind of like to balance the whole thing out. He says to exhort, All right? That means to call to one side, to call up, to summon, right, And that's what we need to do as Christians. See, I, I've seen that before, like when when someone falls, when someone when someone's in, as a Christian and they and they stumble and they fall into sin, right? And they you know they're there's shame because That's what sin does. It brings shame, shame as well. And, and the last thing we want to do is come to church, right? Sin isolates as well. And that's what the devil tries to do. But as a church, we need to be like, hey, you know, let's, let's pray. Let's restore you back, right, into the fellowship, in, into the Lord. But sometimes as, as Christians, we get, um, you know, we, uh, we get, oh, yeah, you messed up. You know, like, You're done. You know, we, we can be so ungracious and so unmerciful. I'm not saying that, you know, we need to look lightly on sin, but at the same time, we need to, I mean, God has given us grace right? And we need to be gracious to others who who fall and and and, and you know, restore them back, right? Just like, I remember the story when uh, Jesus, when he wrote, in, in the Gospel of John, when he rose again, and um, Peter and the rest of the disciples they were fishing because they are like, oh, he's gone, I'm just going to go back fishing, right? And then Jesus is on the shore, and he's telling them, have you guys caught anything? He's like, no, he's like, put your down on the other side, and they're like, okay, whatever. And they do it, and they get all this fish, and one of the disciples is like, it's, it's the Lord, and Peter runs, and Peter jumps out and he starts swimming over there to him. He's all excited. And he, he's alive. Jesus is alive, and they they can't believe it. And he's he's making them breakfast in the morning. That's awesome, right? That'd be awesome. Anyway, I'm always about food. Sorry, but anyway, but but he made his breakfast, and then and then uh, Jesus tells Peter three times, um, "You know, Peter, son of John, do you love me?" Say yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. You know, he tells him three times, right? And that, and that's and that's the Lord's way of restoring Peter back because if you remember when uh, Jesus was you know, being um, tried before he was crucified, you know, Peter was warming himself by the fire, and one of the girls was like, hey, you're one of his disciples, right? He's like, no, no I don't know the guy. Right? Three times he denied him, even though Jesus predicted this, and, and Peter's like, Lord, I'm never going to even have to die, but he denied him three times, right? And He went he went out weeping. He was shamed, but the Lord restored him back, and, and if we look in the book of Acts, we see a different man, right? We see a, a man that's uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, but that was, that was brought back into, um, into the fellowship with with the Lord, in the same way we need to, we need to be that way with each other, right? Because the sin is—it's it, shameful, right? When when we sin and when we mess up, and we're like, man, we knew better, but we messed up, and, and the last thing we want to do is come to church because you know people are going to like judge us or whatever. And it shouldn't be that place here. It should be a place where we come and um, we share the love of Jesus Christ with each other and build one another up. But that's part of teaching the Word of God. It, it's having that balance, right? Because sometimes you know some people just teach. Fire and brimstone, and like you guys are horrible people, and blah blah blah. And that's that's and then they say, Let's pray, right? And that's all it's like, Okay, you know, and that's and but we need to have that balance right as well, right? We need to tell obviously the gospel message that you know, Jesus Christ for, died for your sins, and we need to give that appeal to, like, Come in and receive him as your Lord and Savior. We need to have those things, <coughs> but now we come to this pardon, and you know, after he's kind of warning him, let him know, we need you need to be ready, he's given him this charge. I'm sure um, Timothy's made wonders, okay, I know I need to do this, but what, you know, what's, what's the reason behind all this? Verse 3, he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, or they're going to have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, right? He says the time will come, but guess what? That time has been here for like ever, a long time, right? That, that time is now already, that's, people don't want to hear the truth about God because, like we said before, the Word of God is offensive, right? In Hebrews four twelve, it says the Word of God is living and it's active, it's sharper than any two edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the Word of God does, and it pierces people, it convicts people, right? And some people don't want to don't want to be told what they're doing is is, is wrong in the eyes of God, right? There, you know, if you, if you start talking to people. Um, about the Lord, and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a bad, you know, you, you always hear they're like, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know, I don't steal, I don't kill, you know, and like, or all those things, and it's like, and you know, that's, hey, that, that's great, that's awesome, you you don't do that, but, <clears throat> but God has his righteous, st- righteous standard, and guess what, the Bible says, we all fall short of that, right, and we need a savior, right, but people don't like hearing that, people don't like hearing that, hey, you know, that the gospel is offensive to people, because it basically talks about that, Jesus Christ came to die for, for sinners, for the sins of mankind. I'm not a sinner, right? That we're all sinners. Every one of us is are sinners and that's a, that's the reality of the situation and that's what he's gonna have to deal with. That's what he's dealing with, that's what we're dealing with as well. See, they don't they don't wanna they don't wanna hear the truth. Right? They don't they wanna hear, you know, that they're okay and that everything they do is fine. No, that we we um you know, they don't wanna hear that the cheating on your wife or your husband is wrong, or that adultery is wrong. Oh, we can't do that, right? Like that—that's the Bible's clear. No, do that. Oh, you know, and we have these uh, these internet sites that are up now that that appeal to those type of things, right? The the slogan of one of them says, "Life is too short having have an affair." That's that's ridiculous, right? That's that's horrible. But those things are out there, and it's and it's okay to do those things. There's no there's no um, in the, the sanctity of marriage. There's no importance of it anymore. And it has to start with us as the church, as, as Christians, and and uh, making our marriage a priority. But those type of things are out there, and, and, and when we start calling out those things, and we're going to have that opposition, right? It, it's okay to to go and, and if you're not married and just go, you know, sleep around, it's fine, right? But but the Bible it's it says that's it's, it's not as long as you know that's uh, that that's wrong as well. As long as uh, and we make that oh well, you know, we love each other, we're committed to each other. You don't have to get to get married. But God is the one who instituted those things, and that's what He said that is only for those the confines of marriage. And if you start talking against those things and, and, and want to live a pure life before God, be ready for opposition. Right? We don't want to hear lying or about lying and stealing is wrong. Well, it's just a little white lie. It's fine, it's not a big deal. No, those those things are compromised. Where right? we don't want to hear we don't want to hear about that abortion is murder. And and I know that's a big subject right now and um but it is, you know, God God is you know, God is the God of life, right? And and uh, we begin to, you know, determine what's what's what who lives and who dies and all these things but no god god said right that he's the one who made life that life is a sacred thing and and when we begin to talk about those things or you know, people are going to come against you oh you know th- those things are outdated right the bible's outdated that's that's you know we need to be relevant that's what a lot of people are telling us nowadays like as a church oh well, we need to be culturally relevant it's like no the, the bible of jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever right he's, a, he's the same exact person and and the same exact God and his word is still as powerful as it was back back then as it is today but we're starting to be um you know we're, we're starting to give in to the pressures of society and and we need to continue with the gospel we need to this again this is how we fight back against those things right again I said Jesus Christ he is going to be offensive and and uh, there's a couple of stories in the in the Bible and, and I thought they're really cool this is what the word of God does in Acts 2 36 38 when when Peter first gives his first first um, message after the after the day of Pentecost. <clears throat> um, let me read you this little passage. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, said, whom you crucified. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see what the word of God does, right? It pierces. It says they're pierced through and they're like, "What do we? What do we do? Like, we like we totally messed up. We totally blew. What do we do?" He says, "Repent, right? Give your life to the Lord, and 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 you will be. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be saved, right?" But then we have this other account. It's in the book of Acts as well. It's in Acts 7, 51 through sixty, and this is Stephen. If you guys know who Stephen is in the book of Acts, it says, "You men, after yeah, he he kind of gives this whole." Um, this whole kind of history lesson to, to like the Pharisees about the nation Israel, but how it all comes back to Jesus Christ. It says, You men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in heart and ears and are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of your prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one. Whose betrayer and murderers you have now become, you, uh, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, right? Or again, piercing the hearts, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went, out, they went on stoning Stephen as he called out to the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against him. Having said this, he fell asleep. That's a nice way of saying he, he died, right? And, that's, and, and we see these two kind of contrast, right? We see some people saying, oh man, the, the word of God pierced them. It's like, what do we do now? But we see, again, the Word of God pierces these, these Pharisees, and they were like, no, I don't want to hear this. Let's get this guy. Let's, let's do away with him. Right? And that's what we're going to get, and that's where the Bible is. That's why we're reading, be ready, in season, out of season. The Word of God is going to offend people. But at the same time, it's going to bring people to salvation. They're going to they're realize that's what the Bible does. It's a mirror to show us how sinful we are in, in, in comparison to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Right? And we need to understand those things. And uh, he says they will—they will have—they will, have, will accumulate for themselves teachers, um, according. They'll have, they, they want their ears tickled. They—they're going to accumulate teachers for themselves who are going to satisfy their cravings for things that disagree with the truth of God. That's what they're going to do. That, and That's what you see. You see these—see these pastors who come up now and they, they don't talk about sin. They don't talk about God being holy. They just say, oh, as long as you do good, as long as you have good thoughts, then you're good, right? And then God is pleased with you, right? But they don't—they never talk about. You know, sin about about God's judgment about any of those things, and I just want to talk that God loves everyone, and that everyone is okay as long as you, as long as you, as long as you try hard, then you know, then God is okay. But no, the 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 best that we can do falls short of God. That's why Jesus Christ came and He paid the penalty for us so that we can we can have a life in Him. All right in Second Timothy three thirteen it says, "But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." And going on and uh, in verse four says they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You know, one said it this way, you know, they're gonna stop believing the truth, but then that means they're gonna start believing anything else. And you see those things with, with with a lot of things, you see some of these other kind of isms that are out there and people are believing after them that we you know we're really like some type of celestial beings out in in, in other galaxies and all this weirdness that's out there. But they, it's so easy. They start believing all this stuff, and we're like, "How do they believe this? Why do they believe this?" Because they're, they you know, they don't want to believe the truth, and they're going to get caught up. It's going to be easy for them to get caught up in anything else. Last verse in verse five says, "But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." I'm sure Timothy, up to this point, is like kind of like freaking out. Was like, "Oh man, this is going to be kind of rough, you know? I have to deal with all this stuff now. Like this is, you know, I don't know if I don't remember signing up for this, right?" but well, this is what's going to happen. But he says you need to be sober, right? You need to be collected. You need to be focused, right? It says it, it means to be calm and collected in spirit, right? To be temperate. And I love, I love that, that word as it's used, you know, to be sober. You know, it, needs, it means, to, again, to be, um, to be focused. And there's a couple verses in First Peter that, that say that, First 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, prepare your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Be sober, of, uh, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We need to be sober. We need to be alert. We, do, we can't be just like walking around like we don't know what's going on. We need to understand as we read the word, we're going to understand those things. And then he says here, endure hardship. Right. That means, you know again, preaching the word of God and living your life in a way that's pleasing to God. And, and, and according to the word of God is going to bring opposition and conflict with with the world but he says here to endure hardship and I remember when we're, when pastor Zieg was going over um in the church in Smyrna says he told him to be faithful and then probably thinking, well how long be faithful until death I' was like oh man okay right but that's but that's what we're called to do to be faithful to endure hardship it says do the work of an evangelist I know this weekend is, is the harvest crusade and we know people are going out there and they're giving their lives to the lord and 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 in the same way we need to have that in our minds that when we when we talk to people, it's not for us just to tell them like God is right and you're wrong. Yes, I won this. I won this discussion. No, it should always be with the with the mindset that hey, we want we want you to be saved. We want you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you. you can have eternal life. That needs to be behind every little debate, every little discussion that we have. It's about eternal life. It's not just like yes, I, uh, you know Jesus won, you zero you know that type of thing. No, it's not about just winning the, an argument or whatever the case may be. But the last thing he says is fulfill your ministry. And I love that he says that, that last part. You know, because it can get discouraging. But we don't see when, 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 when you're up here, when you're talking to someone or, or whatever. When, when a pastor's up here and he's teaching, it seems like nothing is happening. No one's coming up, and and it just seems like it wasn't like had no effect. But God's word it says that the word of God does not come back void, right? And we need to be faithful to do those things, I even mean, we don't see the fruit. Jeremiah, the prophet, he 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 prophesied for forty years to tell Israel to turn from their ways because Babylon was coming and in those 40 years, they had zero, you know, repentance. Everyone just wanted to kill him, right? And do away with him, right? But it's not about, you know, the, the, the quantity. It's not about filling up the, the, the house and or filling up the church and it's like, yes, I'm doing good. No, it's about being faithful to God. It's about obedience. You know, the Lord says obedience is better than sacrifice. And we need to understand that. We need to be obedient to our calling even when you don't see the fruit, but even when you do see those things. We, we need to be obedient all um during all those things so i want to just kind of want to leave you guys with the question you know what's holding us back from fulfilling our ministry or what's holding us back from actually going into ministry and and, and serving the lord is it maybe we feel inadequate right in second peter 1 3 it says god has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness so what does that mean like we have no excuse god has given you everything where god guides he's going to provide right what we need what we need to to do those things just like a Wendy was saying about you know the, this good news club. What an awesome opportunity Going to go into the public school system where they're where they're totally anti God, where well, they don't want nothing to do with, with and, and religion. they religion. just open door to preach to tell these kids about Jesus Christ. What an awesome opportunity that is, and um, that that's there, that's available. There's always opportunities here to serve the Lord to to do to do ministry, but we need to fulfill those things. Right? Well, um, again, I just leave you with that. What, what's holding us back from those things? God will give you all that you need. Right, we and if if you if you've ever thought about serving in any type of ministry, like I've never done that before. Well, we're here to help you. We have we have training materials, we have everything you need to, to get you going. You know, we're not just gonna be like, okay, here's like here's like 20 infants. Good luck, right? <laughs> or, or whatever the case may be, or here's these five year olds or whatever whatever it may be. No, we're here to train you, we're here to support you and and uh, you know and help you have that confidence, like hey, you know, this is what the Lord wants me to do, I'm gonna do it and, and we we wanna help you along that we're just going to leave you, you know, and just be like, okay, you want to serve sweet? Okay, do this and uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll check up on you in a couple months. No, it's not in those things. God God is um, God is with us, right? God is with you guys and, and, and anything we do, you know, whatever he calls you to, you know, he's going to be with you. He doesn't, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. He's going he's gonna to provide everything we need, the boldness that we need. He's going to give us the words that we need because sometimes my words fail me. Sometimes I'm talking to people and like a verse comes to me like, well, I didn't even see that one coming. I don't like You know, and it's awesome when the the Lord's going to give you those words that you need to say as well. And um, again, I just want to leave you with that and just have a sense of urgency. The days are dark. We need to go out with the gospel and and tell people about it and not be afraid. God will give you that boldness if you ask it to Him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God, that you are, um, Lord, you are mighty, God. Lord, I pray that we would have, Lord, that sense of urgency that you're coming back, Lord and that one day we're going to have to give an account, Lord, with, with what you've um, entrusted to us, Lord, as Christians, Father, and, and not just that, what you've trusted every one of us with, with, with our life. You're going to ask that question, what did you do with my son who I gave to you, who I gave for you? I pray, Lord, that that would begin to um, Lord, resonate in our hearts, that we would have, Lord, that desire, Lord, to further your kingdom, to go out with your gospel, to, Lord, to not sit um, sidelined anymore, Lord, but to go out, Father, and, and there's work to be done, God, and... and um, Lord, the harvest is it's it's plentiful, Lord, but the workers are few. God, so Lord, I pray that you would just again stir up in the hearts, Lord, that you would encourage us, God. That maybe we, we were doing ministry, Lord, and um, it just got too hard or got overwhelming, and we kind of gave up and were discouraged now, Lord. But Lord, you're you're in the you're in the business of restoring people back to yourselves, and, and, and Lord, and I pray that you would just be with us now, God. We thank you, we praise you, in your name, Amen. So I'll stand for the last song. If you need prayer for anything, we have prayer.